As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and Mercedes has made a major change to its technical leadership with Mike Elliott swapping roles with James Allison, who returns to frontline F1 service. But why has this change been made, and what does it mean for the team's chances of getting back to winning ways? I'm Ed Straw, and joining us to talk through all things Mercedes are Scott Mitchell-Malm and Mark Hughes. Well, Scott, how are you doing? One of those days where a little bit of F1 news changes all plans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice, nice to have it right, right towards the end of the uh, the spring break, and uh, just when you, I was for, for me, I've had, I've actually had the last few days. Um, I, w- I was going to say off, not off, off completely, but uh, a, a few more quiet days in the middle of um, this. And today was actually my first day, sort of properly back at the coalface. Um, so it, I was having quite a nice little morning, catching up on stuff, making sure I had everything where, where I wanted it to be for the afternoon, and then all plans changed. I guess we should just be relieved, though, Mark, that it wasn't kind of a five thirty in the afternoon type job. Yeah, I guess it gives it a bit of a, a chance to uh, gather our thoughts, doesn't it, and make a few follow up calls. And yeah, it's it's just something like this. Um, you, you, it, it has lots of. Um, run-ons and implications doesn't it and uh, a bit of thinking time is always good yeah that makes it the perfect fodder for a podcast which is why we're convening to have a chat about this so scott let's delve into it the really short version is that mike elliott and james allison have swapped roles so elliott's out as technical director and becomes chief technical officer with allison now taking day-to-day technical leadership of the f1 program so can you explain why um, basically, it's it's all instigated supposedly by Elliot leading a review of the um, the technical organisation, with the key question being, do we as Mercedes have the right people in the right places to to get the best results, to build the best car, to have the best chance of long term technical success in Formula One? And 
I find it interesting that the technical director has led that rather than the chief technical officer. But if you're looking at it purely from an F1 technical organisation perspective, I think that is more Elliot's remit as technical director than it is Alison's as CTO because the CTO role is is, is a broader one. Um, obviously, the broad, the, the wider context for, for Mercedes is the uncompetitive start, the second uncompetitive start in a row in these technical rules. There is something about the organisation that hasn't necessarily hit the ground running in this ground effect era. And whether that is in terms, whether that's the way that they use their aerodynamic resources, the way that they use their simulation tools, the perhaps it's linked as well to the delegation of duties and responsibilities within the design office and the wider engineering team. Who knows? We we, we don't have the, the, the full inside story there, but that is what Mercedes has essentially been reviewing and the conclusion that has been arrived at by Elliot apparently and by others within Mercedes is that when you can when you look at their skill set you look at the structure that exists and what opportunities there are Elliot isn't necessarily the best person for the technical director job Allison's a very very good technical director and is willing to do it again and Elliot does have a skill set that suits that broader remit of the CTO so thereby, so therefore, you have the job swap. You put the right people in the right positions, and I know it's going to sound really cynical, but the person who's been under quite a lot of pressure and scrutiny for the last few months gets quite a nice promotion. <laughs> yeah, good explanation of the various uh, reasons for that. There, I mean, I guess Mark, we had to consider it amounts almost to a reset, uh, something vaguely approaching what they had before. Uh, yes, I think um, the tech director role that um, James Allison has moved back into is being slightly uh, redrawn. It's, it's it's a little narrower in focus than uh, than Mike's role and James's previous role there. Um, I think the, the the focus is very very much on um, you know reprioritizing um, short term and and regrouping and uh, clawing back the lost ground. That's the first order of business. And um, James will be injecting a bit of energy into that. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it, it is. It's still, it's still the same people, um, and it's still got the same resources available. So um, I, I do think it's probably a, a better distribution of their particular skills of those two people. When you look at the fact that it brings someone like James Allison back into that day-to-day role, I wonder if this is going to be a rare example of the technical structure of an F1 team or the technical part of an F1 team having that sort of new manager bounce because Allison is unique, I think, in F1 in terms of the his, the seniority he has within a team and the respect he commands from an air engineering point of view, but also the sort of personable aspect, how charismatic he is. I think there's that, there's that, I get that feeling that Alison's the kind of person that if there's an engineering equivalent of, you know, this, you're going to have your team running through walls for you. Alison feels like that kind of technical leader. And I think if you look at it from the personal point of view, Mike Elliott, I think he's a very, very impressive individual. Um, clearly, very, very intelligent. He's got some great ideas. He's got a lot of assets that Mercedes want to keep, which is why they keep him within the organisation. Is he, for for lack of a sort of better way of putting it, you know, is he a leader of people in the way James Allison can be? 
perhaps not quite as effectively. And I can see this being a change that if you know, if you're going to work every day and James Allison's there or, you know, you're under James's watch, I can see that being something that the team responds quite well to, the technical team. I can, not that they're unhappy under Elliot or that they wouldn't carry on trying under Mike Elliott or anything like that. But just that little change of pace, little bit of extra enthusiasm, because it is different. It's not like James Allison, we'll talk about this in a bit, in a bit more detail shortly, but it's not like James Allison goes from sitting in one chair to sitting in another and he's, the time he's around and what he's doing is basically identical. He is going to be around more. That's just a fact. And I can see that having quite a galvanising impact on the team. Yeah, and certainly the difficulty is whenever you get a change like this, it's very easy to look at the person who's outgoing and take any characteristics and make them a negative. Because obviously, Mike Elliott is quite a kind of understa- a more understated character. James Allison, who's coming back into slightly bigger character, if you like, in terms of the way he speaks and constructs sentences and everything. But you kind of get this thing of either you can fall into the thing of thinking, well, Elliot, as a technical director, as the technical leader, was a bit too low-key. But if they were being successful, then it would be, well, the narrative is he's a quiet genius who sort of leads in his own distinct, quiet, low-key style. So it's always very difficult to judge how these things work. But I guess, Mark, we have to say that this change around does amount to an admission of failure for Mike Elliot as technical director, given the recent struggles. Yes, to an extent it does. Um, He isn't... He's someone who's known of many clever insights and solutions and problems and he's been responsible for very quick cars even before he joined Mercedes notably the Lotuses from the Kimi Räikkönen Roman Grosjean era which he did in conjunction with James Allison um, but his stint as TD here has coincided with two dud cars I mean let's that's no let's not put to find a point and they they essentially the same concept of car so the same dud car twice almost and there are complicating factors which led to the problems of that concept not becoming fully apparent because they were disguised by the more immediate bouncing problem of last year's car. But still, that's that's part of the tech director's job, to monitor every aspect and understand those interactions without having too much pride to let go of an interesting area of research if it's not delivering what, what it promised. And maybe to set that as a background R&D project while ensuring what you're feeling is, is as competitive as it can be. And the... Like the time scales of an R and D project are not compatible with racing every week or every couple of weeks, and perhaps there's been a bit of a realization that his skill set is not as good a fit with the tech director role as it is in future concepts and research. So, um, he, with this, he between the W tw- the thirteen and fourteen, he sort of he persevered with his belief in this concept. And, and and whether it's actually his or someone from his team isn't relevant. It's, it's still his call to pursue it or not pursue it. And, it you know, ultimately that belief has is, is proved to be ill-founded. So, yeah, there, there's a certain amount of failure there. It becomes very difficult, doesn't it? Because there's a lot of factors playing into this. And we've talked about whether he's more suited to the other job. And I think there is quite a lot in the certain individuals in those sorts of roles are better suited to certain different types of roles. And it can be perfectly reasonable that he might not be the ideal person to make the call on, for example, when to change direction and to think, actually, this is an interesting avenue. But you know what, just make that a bit of a side project for now, and focus on this. And that's kind of a big part of the technical director decision making, isn't it? Deciding why you'll pursue things, what other directions you should be going off in. And that becomes even more challenging for a team like Mercedes under the cost cap because it's had to reduce the amount it's doing because of that spending. So do you think, Scott, with all uh, the idea that 
oh, it's actually because Elliot's better suited. Do you think that that is a, a fair interpretation? Because there will be some people listening just thinking, oh, he's been moved upstairs because he was just rubbish and didn't know what he was doing. Well, there'll definitely be an element of, um, I understand why people would think he's just been moved out of the way because they don't want to sack him, but they don't want to use him in the, in the F1 team. I think if you look at what he did before when he was technology director at Mercedes and what he was said to be very good at, yes, he's he's got that aerodynamics background. Um, so, and as Mark was explaining, you know, he's had key roles in very good cars in his F1 career. It's 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 would be ludicrous to suggest that he's of no use to an organisation like Mercedes. But Mercedes does believe that he has value in a leadership role, and Mike Elliott wants to have a leadership role because he's been gradually rising through the ranks and sort of reach that stage of upper management on the technical side and if you so if you look at what he did as technology director when he was dealing with 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 broader things he was looking at unsurprisingly given their job title the technologies that they were using simulation for example their design tools uh, but but other elements other elements as well that would have then fed into the technical director job where you're in charge of people, you're in charge of uh, lead times, you're in charge of making sure that you have the right people in the right places. All of that stuff is broadly relevant to being chief technical officer, where, as you say, the, you're, you're out of that day-to-day stuff. You've got a bit more time to, to breathe. You're taking a bit more of an overarching view on everything. It, it does feel like that fits what Mike Elliott is said to be particularly good at. So I think he's just probably a better fit as CTO than he is as as technical director because there's another element that it removes which I feel like I don't think Mike was bad at but was definitely a challenge he hadn't had to face before which is as a technical director especially the way F1 is these days you know he faced the media quite a lot and it's something he didn't really have to do outside of Mercedes in-house things before then it's something he almost certainly won't have to do now as, as CTO and for a very long time it was basically and this, I'm not saying that this was something Mercedes did to him intentionally, not at all. But as the technical director, as the person for whom the F1 technical issues, he, you know, the buck stops with him on those issues. When you have a, a car that's not working, the, the duds, as, as Mark called them earlier, and when you have things like such a unique side pod design, and you have this conflation that people do with side pod and concept, for for example, um you just get bombarded with questions about what's gone wrong. Why are you sticking with it? Are you sticking with it? Are you, yeah, but are you really sticking with it? And then a couple of months later, why are you doing this? Are you sticking with it? Yeah, but are you really sticking with it? And he went through that cycle so many times to the point where in Bahrain, he got it again on the Friday, I think it was. And I bumped into him on the way out of the press conference room. And I just joked and just said, you are going to get those side pod questions from now until the end of eternity. And he, he looked genuinely exasperated. He was just like, there's only so many times I can say it. People need to stop talking about it. And I wonder if there's an element there of, it's not just being removed from the coalface, it's almost being removed from the firing line a little bit. I, I wonder if that that can't be an easy thing to have to deal with because it's one thing to be responsible for everything as a technical director, but it is another to be almost like publicly responsible for it and have to answer for things that you make, you decide to do as a, as a team. You know, those side pods, for example, became inexorably linked with Mike Elliott. That just seemed to be a Mike Elliott thing. But, you know, we don't even know, like, we don't know whose idea they were. It was a collective decision to go for them. It was a collective decision to persevere with them. It, but because it was on his first Mercedes, it became his thing. And I just don't think he was ever really able to to separate that. It's a slightly separate point, I know. But I, it's, I, can, I can, see the, can see the merits in him wanting to get away from that let's put it that way 
Yeah, and as we'll probably get on to a little bit later in the podcast, it's very dangerous to assume that the car is the product of one person. It's the product of a lot of people, a lot of systems. Hence, simply changing your technical director doesn't necessarily change everything just like that. And I think that's something that's very important to keep in mind. The technical director isn't the be-all and end-all. They're not the architect of all the success. And they're also not the architect of all the failure. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's move on to James Allison now, Scott. It's worth explaining exactly what Allison has been doing in the CTO role. How much are things really going to change for him now? Well, I think rather than uh, dwell too much on the specifics of what he was doing, I'm more interested in sort of how much he was doing, if that makes sense. Because the, the I think the short version of what he was doing is that F1 did form a part of the CTO remit, but there were there were other technology projects, let's call them um, associated with them. The main one is the, the the involvement that they had on on the America's Cup project which I know Alison was particularly keen on that does always seem to be the almost like the, the go-to extracurricular activity for the incredible F1 engineer and designer doesn't it to go and do something as amazing as um, things like America's Cup so I think I think the key thing to stress is what it almost what it took away uh, when he made this decision this obviously came into effect in mid 2021 because um, Alison went from what would have obviously been a very intense, basically, I think, 24-7 job, pretty much, as technical director, to working three days a week as CTO. Um, it freed him from that, he freed him from the coalface. He 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 didn't have to, um, he didn't have to match that intense, unbearable rhythm of an F1 season. And you think of when he joined Mercedes for 2017, the intensity of every season was enormous. You know, the, the Ferrari title title fights in 2017 and 2018 where it was just raw in-season development that won Mercedes those championships you think of 2019 when collectively okay it was it was a lot on the engine side but also on the car side as well they had to really rally to fight back against the what was perceived to be an incredibly unfair uh, Ferrari execution of the the way that they were running their engine and so the threat that Mercedes had to to fight back against that drove Mercedes to breaking point. It had a huge impact on the engine side, but it was felt throughout the organisation. And sure, the result of that was the 2020 Mercedes, which I don't know about the two of you. Uh, I think it's the best modern day Mercedes F1 car and one of the best F1 cars in history. That that was a phenomenal design. But these things come at a price. And, you know, Alison, not to insult him in, in, in any way, but Alison's nearer the end of his career than he is the start of it. And there comes a point where that that 
that cost reward ratio just falls out of whack and that's where Allison got to in and decided that 2021 would be his last technical director year and he said in 2021 that he was very conscious of the fact that senior technical people in F1 reach what he called their shelf life and he was wary of reaching you know hitting that shelf that his expiration date basically as a technical director having not already moved on but what moving into the CTO role did was keep him within an organisation that he's obviously very comfortable in and cares about and likes to work work for. It challenged him enough without without being that full-on intense F1 role. And I think it just gave him an perhaps slightly unexpected opportunity to recharge and, and reassess. And, and when this situation arose this year, and there's the possibility of maybe, ah, maybe you actually do want to go back and be technical director because it's a different technical director role as well because now there's a CTO. Mike Elliott's the CTO now, obviously, but it was James Allison. That's taking away a lot of the long-term planning, the extra stuff, the organisational stuff, the strategic stuff. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to focus on the day-to-day stuff. So as Mark was saying earlier, it is a, it's a narrower remit for, for the technical director. Suddenly, you've had a couple of years away from it a little bit. You've got a slightly different job description going. It's not the same circumstance. It's not the same technical director. It's not the same situation at all to be in. And now suddenly it becomes realistic. If this was the case two years ago, had Mercedes changed their mind and gone, ah, oh, James, actually, no, we want to back out of this. Can you, be, can you stay as technical director after all? I don't think he would have. But it's a different time now. It's a different situation, different set of circumstances. And I think he's happy to be back as long as it's obviously not in a in a situation that asks too much of him and clearly he feels that that's not the case anymore it shows you how difficult succession planning is in senior roles in these types of organizations not just f1 team but any organization because you can have the most elegant handover the most planned handover a logical step someone who knows the organization inside out in mike elliott taking over the technical director role Allison moving on and still having some kind of influence that all sounds absolutely perfect but it hasn't necessarily quite worked which is why they've had to roll back on it and I guess it says a lot about the qualities mark of someone like James Allison that he gets dragged back in and we've seen him in action extensively as a technical director not only with Mercedes so it's probably worth just reflecting on what he brings to the table beyond an absolutely wonderful turn of phrase. (laughs) Uh, very competitive and a great communicator. And as Scott was saying earlier, he's someone who inspires people. So as as well as being a great engineer, he injects energy into a project. And now it's, it's interesting that he's seeing Mike suffer for going out on a limb with a concept. Because back in 2011, that's exactly what James did as tech director at Renault with the side exiting exhaust, the R31 to make a forward-blown diffuser. And that was a concept which turned out to have very limited development potential. Mike Elliott was actually the chief aerodynamicist for that car, so it'd be interesting to know where that actual idea came from, whose it was. But anyway, James, as tech director, took the full blame for it in very self-deprecating style. And the following years, as we said before, James and Mike were behind the very quick cars which followed, either the, the Reichen and Grosjean cars. So... He's a top engineer. Um, his personal qualities inspire loyalty. He's a realist and he understands the competitive imperative. I think that's the probably the, the most uh, relevant thing in the, in the current circumstances. And he'll have a particularly fine-honed 
sense of the urgency of the situation. Uh, it's it's not acceptable for Mercedes, um, you know, in, in, for them to be in this situation. So they, they, they need to get a lot better very quickly. He'll be good at rebuilding the confidence in the group, you know, which is bound to have taken a battering. And as the already planned updates to this car come along, which, you know, the, which, which will have been overseen by Mike Elliott, but I'm sure, you know, you'll, you'll see the... the, the and positive effect that they have that will be part of the rebuilding process that james will will tap into and, and uh, I, i'm sure i'm sure it'll uh, it'll 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 start happening i don't think we're going to see a suddenly a race winning mercedes this year but I, I think you know now that the 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 main thing i think is the recognition of the the limitations of this concept that um mike presided over and i think that that had already happened anyway, and I think that that's going to be the main thing which is going to improve the team's fortunes in the short term. Um, but I think James will be just injecting a bit of extra energy into that whole process. What's really interesting about this question is it's very easy to say, well, if James Allison had stayed in, nothing would have gone in this direction. He'd have been successful and he just carried on the same success. But fundamentally, Scott, James Allison is leading the same team. It's the same tools, the same equipment, the same people. Everything that went into making the underachieving cars of last year and the first part of this year is still pretty much the same. You've just got a slightly different person at the controls. You know, if you're if you're driving a if you're driving a car, the steering wheel still does the same when you turn it, no matter who's driving it. That's a slightly crude thing, but does there have to be an element of caution in saying how much of a change this can actually mean or is the different perspective of someone like James Allison going to be able to come in and just shift the direction and just find those little weak points that have been exposed and course correct I think um, potentially a bit of both but even if it is that element of Allison going in and fixing some weaknesses that have um, gradually grown over the over recent time I mean that's still not going to be something that manifests itself instantly it's not like um, they're suddenly going to be able to turn around race-winning upgrades in the space of weeks or, or days or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, there has to be an element of caution around what's realistic to expect. You know, because the flip side of what you were saying there, with you know all the key ingredients being there um, that caused these uh, slightly underwhelming Mercedes cars, and now it's just a change of technical director. You know, a, a flip side of that is that you know Mike Elliott was a key part of the organization that produced all of those fantastic Mercedes cars for several years and the organization got it wrong in 2022 and 2023 um it, it wasn't just the change of technical directorship that that sent Mercedes on that that downward trajectory there were other elements as well they they, they clearly missed tricks in a way that other teams especially Red Bull obviously didn't I think there were I think there were maybe there still are some weaknesses on the simulation side that means that they don't quite have the, the full grasp of uh, the development tools or exactly what's required to to design and, and develop the car as effectively as you need to for, for this set of set of aero rules. And um, these would all have been things that also Alison would have been aware of because it's not like he just disappeared from the organisation for two years and did nothing. You know, he's been around in, in sometimes in the background, sometimes a bit more involved. F1, as I was saying earlier, is still part of that CTO remit just on a on a less day-to-day scale, uh, um, scale. So I, I I think it would be... The only, best way I can put it is that it's it's just as likely to transform Mercedes' fortunes that they've brought Alison in 
as it's likely that they'll transform their fortunes just by getting rid of a Mike Elliott. Th- those those changes are part of a bigger picture and they might be better overall because of the respective strengths of the individuals, but I can't see it being you know transformative in an instant. Do you think there's any risk, Mark, of it being almost a retrograde step? We've still got this guy hanging around who's hugely accomplished. So, yes, we can make this change because it probably wouldn't have happened, this restructure, but for the fact they happen to have a James Allison to hand and Mike Elliott could transition into his job. <laughs> it's it's impossible to know. You'd, you'd, you'd need, uh, you'd need to, to, to be able to run the two parallel um, situations, wouldn't you? But, um, I'd absolutely love a parallel universe to run back-to-back. Yeah, It'd be brilliant, would. wouldn't it? Our, our, uh, the yeah, race's output yeah. would be fantastic if we had that. We, yeah. We're working on well, it, but I it's mean, expensive. There is there is a very credible um, belief in um, mainstream science that um, th- th- this is all a simulation anyway. So, you, you know, you, you may already be in one. But um, let's let's hope it's not a Mercedes simulation about ground effect. Although, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, oh, we we could be in deep trouble. But um, clearly, they haven't felt that someone bursting through with potential to, to to slot straight into that role that they absolutely know would just nail it because they you know they've they've, they've felt more comfortable bringing James back in. And he will be a very very safe pair of hands, and um, will put everything on a, a hopefully a, a good foundation for the future and, and and allow that what talent is there to to continue to develop develop and, and flourish we'll get back to the pod in a moment but first a word about our partner grammarly no matter what kind of work you do how you communicate is key all those emails reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done and grammarly can help Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said done. Let's take a little bit of a look more at the cars themselves. Scott, what does the change mean for the development of the current Mercedes W14? Uh, not very much at all, I suspect, because these um, th- we, we've known for, for some time now that, that Mercedes, obviously having started the season with that carryover concept from last year, was pursuing significant cha- uh, di- significant different directions for for the car. Um and that is going to manifest itself, I think, for the first time with an influence on the upgrades that were already planned for Imola. Um, so I think that remains unchanged. And I suspect the medium-term course remains unchanged as well because collectively the decision has been made to go in a new direction. Elliot was obviously part of that. Alison would have been part of that on some degree as Chief Technical Officer as well. They're not going to sudden like Allison's not going to have walked into the room and just been like, "Oh, just FYI, 
I've actually known all along what Red Bull are doing and I know exactly how we can do it and we can actually do it two temps quicker than them but I just haven't said anything because I'm not the technical director anymore like that's that's just not how it works so he's not he's not sitting on a magic new uh, mag- magic upgrade or anything like this he may in time unlock a certain way of thinking a little bit of bravery whatever within the existing design design team that eventually puts them on a path to something better but that will only play out in time because ultimately i think what people maybe and i understand why people might have misunderstood this because there's so much misinformation uh, doing the rounds these days but the as i understand it mercedes went in to bahrain preseason testing already exploring significant differences in the car even if it was only bodywork at that point but they were already exploring a, a further departure from the size zero side pods we saw last year and we've seen a, a a change of for for this year still minimized still definitely not a red bull style but different to, to to last year they were already exploring that and they'd already admitted that the side pod design for example would change early in the year but as mercedes keeps stressing this is just a piece of bodywork it's, it's it's aero related and it's important aero but it but it is quote unquote just bodywork then when the car hit the track at bar, in Bahrain for the preseason test they realized that they could have run they can run the car lower than they thought they could but they hadn't developed the car around that and then therefore they needed to pursue different directions developing the car around the lower ride height I, I know that's an oversimplification of it because there's other things they'll be looking at and there'll be other technologies whether it's mechanical for example we know that they need to improve the mechanical platform as well um, and Mark is infinitely more qualified than I am to talk about the mechanical benefits of the suspension that Ribble has developed, for example, over the Mercedes one. But in the simplest possible form, that I think is the way to understand that timeline for what Mercedes is doing development-wise. There was already stuff in the works before this car even hit the track. Then, separately, a secondary but all probably very powerful development stream opened up after they hit the track. And both these things are happening and both of those things will come on the car in the next few weeks or months. And James Allison being technical director will support that, but it won't transform it, if that makes sense. To underscore what you were saying there, obviously there'll be a tendency for everything that happened before Mike Elliott moved out of the role being a Mike Elliott thing and everything that happens from the moment Mike Elliott moves out of his role and beyond is a James Allison thing. But there's a lot of talk about the Imola upgrade and I think it's just worth revisiting something Mike Elliott said in Bahrain when he was as you alluded to earlier Scott being bombarded with questions about the side pods and he was asked about the Imola side pods he said it's part of the normal development he said we have got a very different side pod that's coming but it takes time to bring that it takes time to make the bits it takes time to change the bits that go underneath the bodywork for it to fit so we'll bring it as soon as we can and he also said that the side pod will will be different to what they've got currently but it also won't just be a clone of what other people have got so that just establishes that if we get to Imola and there's a different look visually of the side pods which he suggested there is that's something that was underway on his watch that's just one example of the sort of things that will be coming but I think realistically Mark we have to look longer term don't we so the question of what this means for the 2024 Mercedes I guess is really at the heart of understanding the significance of Allison coming back in. Yeah, and I'd be surprised, when we're looking at hardware, I'd be surprised if it was anything other than let's understand the Red Bull concept, bring our own ideas to it, use the talent and resource that we've got and really get it singing, especially given how good the Aston Martins look so far. So, you know, brave try that we made, but no dice. Let's get on with getting back to winning races and fighting for titles and anything less 
you know won't be good enough. And of course, it, it, it on the assumption that they're going in that direction, it means uh, one since they're they're two years behind, but a lot of that two years of learning elsewhere is now quite understandable and out in the open and visible. So it's not it's not quite it's going to take them two years to to get with to where Red Bull is now. You know, a lot of a lot of it's pretty obvious what needs to be done, and I think that is really all it's 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 going to be about we're at the stage of the the season now where you you already start to have to define the hard points of next year's car you know it's 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 things like the the cockpit positioning are all going to be part of that and the gearbox length and the tub shape and all those things so yeah i think um given that they've acknowledged that the aerodynamic limitations of the concept that they had um, I think it's pretty obvious the direction they've got to go. It's interesting because they've experimented going back some distance with the Red Bull geometry for the side pods and other things, and they've said they've not found the upside of it. So it is a very, very interesting test of the Mercedes facilities. Obviously, when they had their trouble last year, one of the things Mike Elliott, I remember, said when I uh, interviewed him at the end of last year was that they'd invested a lot of time in working on the simulation tools that had misled them to try and get better answers and obviously it's just what happens you move into a different rule set there's different sensitivities different challenges and sometimes you need to update your tools to do that so i guess this again scott is another test of that wider infrastructure all the tools that mercedes have got do they actually have the knowledge there to have got it right or does allison need to kind of take another step back in the process and rebuild some of those things to ensure that they've got the data and the information the understanding they need to make the right decisions yeah, it'll be in- I think uh, it would be interesting to know exactly um, how his involvement and understanding of where the F1 current development project was, how that's changed um, over, let's say, the last sort of 15 months or so. Um, you know, before the 22 car hit the track, I'm sure there would have been an element of obviously confidence in what they were doing behind the scenes and therefore you wonder you know with someone like Allison I'm sure he would have loved to have been involved but ultimately you know it wasn't his job he wasn't full-time on the project so he's picking and choosing you know when he weighs in and what information he takes back and what his real understanding is and his exposure to the day is quite limited and it would just be really interesting to know over the last 15 months how that's changed when's he been sort of tempted to come back in how much more attention has he paid where's he been looking what questions has he been asking What's he been told? What's he trying to scrutinise? And I think that will obviously accelerate now that he's around the place full time, day to day on the uh, f- with the F1 technical organisation again. It is a big test of uh, of where they're at, and again, just shows what I think we've referenced several times throughout this conversation um, that it's so much more than just one individual here or one upgrade there. As someone with his experience you would think that he would be well-placed to correct uh, any missteps, but he did al- uh, He did also have that opportunity as, as CTO, depending on what he knew. So that's going to be the real key. Are there any gaps in his knowledge, so to speak, that are now going to be filled that he's back full-time in, in that technical director position? And will that mean he's therefore able to fix things or suggest things that m- maybe wouldn't have been thought of um, without without him around that's that's the interesting thing that mercedes will discover over the next few months it becomes a very interesting scenario doesn't it because fundamentally 
last year, I think Toto Wolf said this in Australia, he said, well, last year we designed the car to run ultra low because that's where the downforce was and we couldn't do that. We made a mistake there. And this year our mistake is we've done it to run too high. And if you want to understand a little bit more about that, if you listen to our 10 things we've learned from F1 2023 so far podcast that was released on April the 13th, Mark talked at length about the Mercedes suspension and how they're able to run quite low to get the performance. So I guess the positive thing is they know what sort of directions they need to look in. I suppose the way James Allison would put it is he knows where there's goodness to be found. They've just got to understand how to do it. So I guess that's objective number one, make sure that everything they're doing is in the right direction. But he'll have hit the ground running in moving into this uh, role lately because he's obviously going to have had a pretty good understanding of the whole thing. And then it'll come down to whether in 12 months' time we're talking about Mercedes being back or Mercedes still underachieving, whether they need to change something else. But with the lag and the lead times in Formula One these days, the complexity of the cars, we're very much now talking about 2024, as Mark alluded to. Well, thanks very much to Scott Mitchell Malm and Mark Hughes for your insight. Head to the race.com. Don't forget the hyphen. Loads to read there on the whole Mercedes situation and the rest of goings on in the world of Formula One. Check out our other podcasts, including those covering IndyCar and MotoGP, as well as Bring Back V10s. And also check out our video channel. Baku is fast approaching, so stay with us for everything you need to know from the world of Formula One.